0: Hello, church, and welcome. My name is Derek Crawford, and I'm one of the pastors here at Zion, and it's a pleasure to be worshiping with you all today. We're going to start out with a little bit of a recap uh, from last week. Today, we're going to be continuing our walk through the Sermon on the Mound. Over the past few weeks, Pastor Jason has been walking you through the first two Beatitudes, and we're going to continue on with that. Uh, There seems to be this uh, major progression from each of the Beatitudes. They seem to build off of each other. So the one builds off the previous one. And it seems to do that same thing this week, where the the verse that we're going to be talking about builds off of the previous two weeks. And so let's refresh our memories a little bit about the, the ones you've already learned about. And so the first Beatitude was, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And that was followed by... Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And which leads us to today, which is Matthew 5, 5, where it is, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Like I said, there seems to be like a flow taking place uh, running through each of these. And so being poor in spirit is the primary fundamental spirit that leads in turn to a condition of mourning. As we become more aware of our sin, And then that awareness, turn, leads us to a spirit of meekness. This is an important thing to remember. The awareness of our sinful nature is the only way to truly understand why the meek are blessed. This this connection is important to understand. In order to fully understand this verse, you need to see that, that that's what's happening here. And so the goal of this lesson will be to understand the meaning of the term meek, to see why that makes us blessed, and to see what Inherit the Earth looks like. So let me be honest with you for a second. So far, I've I've really enjoyed this uh, Blessed Life series. And this kind of came as a surprise to me, because I was not confident of this idea of building a whole teaching off of one small verse, and then replicating that each and every week. But so far, it's been really fulfilling. It has caused me to take a look within myself. I had to do some introspection. And that seems to be the point of the first two Beatitudes. They have an inward focus that then has outward manifestations. Like from last week, we discovered that we internally come to terms with our own sinfulness and how mourning and comforting others is that outward expression of it. But both of those began like started from the same place, came from an inward focus, an inward inward self-examination first. And for this one, so this week's verse, the focus moves outward. It moves from a predominantly internal to a very vulnerable outward expression. Blessed are the meek. For this beatitude, there is a call and response nature to it. Meekness is not so much an action as it is a very nature. We are a relatively relationship-driven society, which means that we have to interact with one another. And our relationships with others, combined with the response of those uh, people, plays a significant role in how this beatitude works. Meekness is a response to both internal and external stimuli. And so here's an example to help you out. I can come to terms with my own brokenness. I know in my heart that I am a sinner. Let me say that again. I am a sinner. This phrase is something that I can come to terms with. This is something that I can process through. It causes me to confront uh, my need for a savior. It's all about this internal inspection. And that's a pretty awesome realization. Sure, it's challenging. And I know that last week, Pastor Jason described the first two Beatitudes as being difficult. Uh, Well, that, and that he offered you guys some hope that it's going to get easier. But in reality, I feel like this Beatitude is is just as challenging, but for different reasons. This week, we are asked to take that next step. Being meek requires us to be vulnerable to those around us. We have to engage in this world. It is one thing for me to realize that I am a sinner, but it's another thing when other people start to view that as well. And this is the reality associated with this beatitude. With this verse, you are inviting others to see you. And vulnerability is hard. And for some of us, it feels pretty risky. Sometimes there's this urge to protect ourselves. I don't know about you, but it's it's in my nature an instinct to push back if somebody starts to challenge or starts to see my brokenness. Especially uh, in those areas where I'm truly feeling challenged or the ones that are maybe more shameful or the ones that I don't wanna talk about. That's when it really becomes, uh, I really start to pull back, I start to withdraw. And so this topic has been uh, a personal struggle for me. I know this is one of the reasons I was given this beatitude I know that uh, my natural response to being vulnerable is to project confidence because it's a lot easier to live in confidence rather than navigate vulnerability. This is a defense mechanism. And I also found this idea of uh, humility to be baffling at times as well. And surrender and submission, I've never really been a big fan of those either. And these are all the primary elements that are going on in this verse. I tell you this because I wanna give you permission to struggle with this topic. It's okay if this beatitude is hard for you as well. And actually one of the reasons I'm struggling with this has nothing to do with vulnerability. Sometimes it's hard because I find a great deal of confidence being a follower of Jesus. I know that the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead resides in me as well. How can that not make you feel confident? And it should, it should make you feel confident. But I believe I'm probably being a little bit misplaced. The confident needs to be in the power of Jesus and not in my own abilities. I'm spiritually bankrupt and I bring nothing to the table without him. It should never be about my own confidence in myself, but instead be a trust in Jesus. Understanding this truth will help us interact with those around us because there's no avoiding it. We are called to be in relationship with others. And when we do that, we are allowing people to see the good, the bad, and the ugly. And people are going to interact. They're going to push in those areas. They're going to see the, the, the bad. They're going, to, they're going to be with us in the good. And so how are we going to respond to that? And again, I'm not talking about in action, what is going to be our natural demeanor? How are we going to respond to this world around us? Even when they see our brokenness, even when people bring hurt into our lives, or if those people are trying to take advantage of us. How are we going to respond no matter what the scenario is? The answer is with meekness. And this answer might seem a little bit shocking when you hear it. It sounds a little absurd to me as well. And I'm guessing that the people during the time of Jesus would have felt a similar reaction to this. And so it might help to get a little context because you can see where where the people of that time might have pushed back from what Jesus is trying to teach them. Their culture was built on this idea of owning possessions Possession signified status, which meant power. This success was something that could be achieved or earned. To be the most powerful, the strongest, the best, to be aggressive, to have it all. These are the marks of success. Meekness was definitely not a virtue and would have been viewed as weakness. And to be honest with you guys, it doesn't sound like much has changed since then. Our world still values these characteristics, power, greed, and status. Identity being found in how well we perform. And I know not all verses in the Bible were written with our modern context in mind. But man, this verse just seems like it's screaming to be heard by us today. That it was meant for us today. And it's because blessed are the meek is tackling an issue that plagues humanity as a whole. Our sinful world requires this beatitude. And so here's the thing, it's not only, like that's not the only shocking part for the Israelites because this would have rocked their world for their expectations of the Messiah or Savior as well. And I know we recapped it a little bit last week, but I wanna, I wanna show the stark comparison between the two. And so the Israelites have had a troubled history, and they've been held in captivity for almost their entire existence. They've been constantly and consistently in the middle of major political struggles. You can see it during the time of Moses, when uh, he had to free his people from Pharaoh in Egypt, the temple being destroyed, and when they were held in Babylonian captivity. There's one bright spot in the entire history, and that was during the time of King David. During that time, Israel was relatively victorious during this span. Other than this one blip, it seems like this nation has been in constant contention with others. And so you can see where this desire for liberation and in turn vengeance was carried with them all the way up to the time of Jesus. And when they got to this time uh, where Jesus was, there was another power threatening them with the Roman Empire. So you can imagine that the Jews were ready for a Messiah. They were desperate for a savior. One who was, that, was going to come from the bloodline of David to restore the nation, to vanquish enemies, to liberate the oppressed. They were expecting a conquering king. The power that they valued as a nation, they wanted in their king. Then Jesus comes and says that the meek will inherit the earth. If we think this feels contrary to today's norms, just imagine what it would have been like for the Israelites. I'm sure we all know how that feels when our expectations are so high, but then the reality of life doesn't meet those expectations. Real life fails to measure up. That's a terrible feeling. And I can see where this beatitude might feel like that way at first. However, Jesus is establishing something much greater than can possibly be imagined. Humanity, we only understand the way of a broken world. Jesus is offering us something new, a new way of life, a kingdom that stands in stark contrast to this world. It's going to push against every part of our human nature. Sin has corrupted that nature, and Jesus is here to overcome it. And that's what makes this beatitude uncomfortable for many. And so here's where I remind you of the purpose of the Beatitudes. And I feel like Pastor Jason summed it up really well last week when he said this. The Beatitudes are not an attitude adjustment or things we set out to do. Rather, they reflect the condition of our hearts because of the work of the Holy Spirit. This is not something that we can do on our own. It is impossible without Christ. Sure, we can attempt to act differently, but this really isn't an action but instead is a gift from the Spirit. And it's important to view it through this perspective as we continue to explore this further. And at this point, I could imagine where this beatitude might make some of us feel a tad nervous. We might even say, well, what if I don't wanna be meek? How could I possibly feel meek? That's weakness. As a male, I know this. This is especially challenging for us because we've been programmed since birth, to be strong and powerful and displaying no weakness. Men don't cry has been a motto. And I read a very interesting book called Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. I mention this book because it does an excellent job of breaking down vulnerability from the viewpoint of both male and female perspectives. A little warning here, if you do go out and uh, read the book, there is some colorful language sprinkled throughout But otherwise, I highly recommend this read. And here's an insightful quote from that book. Vulnerability sounds like truth and feels like courage. This statement rings especially true. This description of vulnerability hits me hard. But the problem is, is it doesn't make the fear go away, especially in the sinful world that we live in. Is being meek even possible? And so I experienced a similar, like I experienced doubt in a similar way in my first year at seminary. Uh, We were asked to read a book uh, and it's crazy when when I look back at that first year and now how much I've developed over the time, how much I truly have grown. And I think uh, this story is a perfect testament of that growth. There was this book on prayer that we had to read and it was about the presence of God. It was about a monk, his name was Brother Lawrence, who writes these little paragraphs of Nugget about practicing the presence of God. And that's. it was basically about seeing God everywhere, praying at all times no matter what, like when you're sweeping the floor. And the whole group, we were all sitting in a group and we went around and we were like talking about this book. We were discussing it and everyone was just praising it and uh, just telling how wonderful this book was. And then it got to me and my immature, confident, an all-knowing self lost it. Here is, a, here is a brief expert excerpt of what I said. And this is literally pretty close to what I said. Sure, it sounds super easy coming from a monk living in a monastery in the year 1690. If all I had to do was worry about mopping, I would pray to God all day long too. Life doesn't work that way. Thanks for nothing, bro law. Like, I was, I was heated up. Like, I was literally, I even called Brother Lawrence Brolaw to him. I was, I was intense about this because it seemed so ridiculous to me. It didn't fit in my view of the world. And I understand that that story might seem a bit dramatic, but I think it's on display well in this sentiment as well. We do live in a world where meekness does not seem to fit. Similarly to what was exp- uh, experienced by the Israelites, our expectations are a little off as well. I think we might be stuck on an earthly view of meekness. But Jesus is offering us something different here, but it might require a little bit of a shift in perspective. So what does it mean to be biblically meek? Maybe it'd be helpful to start with a comparison. We can probably think of someone who we would be, that we would consider meek someone that maybe you know or just maybe you can think of who you would, be, or you would consider to be a meek person. One of the first people that come to mind is Mr. Rogers from the kids' television show, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. You know, the guy that wears sweaters? Mr. Rogers', Mr. Rogers character and nature made him stand out from the rest of the world. And it's because that, that, that nature of meekness is so different that it, it just, it pops any time you see someone that's acting in, this, in the area of being meek, just stands out. And Mr. Rogers was one of those types of people. And so let's start by uh, talking about meekness and talking about what it's not. It's not weakness, laziness, being a pushover, or lacking confidence. I think a lot of people see it this way. But this view is hopefully incomplete. Let me try to prove it to you a little bit by using characters from the Bible. There are some great and powerful leaders in the Bible. Abraham, who was very courageous in his decision-making. Moses stood up against the most powerful man in the world at the time. Uh, King David was a warrior and general and eventually a king. Jeremiah was a powerful prophet. And Paul was extremely bold and brash in his writing and his, his delivery. These were all definitely very powerful and influential leaders. But they were also biblical leaders who at some point possessed a heart of weakness. Abraham showed the, the amount of respect he shows to Lot by letting him go first. And then his overall willingness to listen to God. Moses humbled himself completely before God. And basically gave everything over and followed what God asked him to do. David, just in his relationship with Saul and not trying to take the status of king away from him. Jeremiah diligently delivered a hard truth, something that no one wanted to hear, and yet he knew God told him that he had to do it. And then Paul continued to support churches even after they called him names behind his back. Meekness is not weakness, as Pastor Bang uh, said last week in the traditional service. We have to eliminate this notion. In fact, Meekness is actually compatible with strength. As shown above, meekness does not mean the absence of strength, but it has more to do with how you utilize it. Strength demonstrated by those who are meek is not self-serving, but instead is focused on helping those around you. It's about following God's plan. It's about allowing him to guide your heart. Sure, he might ask you to be bold, he might ask you to be strong and courageous, but it's done through a humble heart because humility plays an, a huge role in this process. John the Baptist summarizes this idea best when he's talking about the ministry of Jesus. John the Baptist's role was basically to proclaim Jesus to the world, and he does so in John 1.23, I am the voice of the one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord." Jesus, or John's ministry at this point was thriving. Then Jesus came and John understood his role. He had to make way for the Messiah. And he acted in what I would consider complete humility as his followers began to de- decrease. In John three thirty, John said this, he must become greater, I must become less. This is how we should humbly interact with others. We should lift others up just like John did for Jesus. It's also not about a uh, completely outward focus. We do have to control our own thoughts, actions, words, and attitudes. It's not about just being nice. It's about who's guiding those attributes. Author Martin Lloyd-Jones put it like this. Meekness is essentially a true view of oneself expressing itself in attitude and conduct with respect to other people. It is my attitude towards myself and is an an expression of that relationship with others. It makes sense that this should follow poor in spirit and mourning. A man can never be meek unless he's poor in spirit. A man can never be meek unless he has seen himself as a vile sinner. These have to come first. And then with meekness, there must be an absence of pride. He does not demand things for himself. He does not make the demands for his position, his privileges, his possessions, or his status in life. With meekness, there's no need for retaliation. There's no reason to pay others back. And 1 Peter 2. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Or similarly, in Romans twelve nineteen, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. This is hard. It's hard for us because we usually want to issue out our own brand of justice instead of relying on the righteousness of God. With meekness, one needs to be teachable. Stop thinking that we're better than other people and that that we can't learn from someone else because we can. Just like Jesus who humbled himself by becoming man was depending only on the Father and the Holy Spirit. Jesus had to learn just like everyone else. He had to grow and develop, and he learned from religious teachers. And I know it's, this is a difficult thing to have to admit, that we, can be, that we can learn from others, that we can be taught by others. And this is a hard model because it's, not, it's hard not to hold our status over other people, to think that we are better than them. That's a hard thing for humanity to control. Sometimes we can't even help it. We don't even realize we're doing it. And that's where we get into the the idea that we're always right. No one else can teach me. No one else can tell me how to do it. Because my way is the right way. And here's the main point. With meekness, there needs to be a complete and utter dependence on God and being led by the Holy Spirit. This is where we leave everything to God, our rights our causes, our whole future. We leave everything in the hands of God. And so let's dive a little bit deeper into one of the examples to see what dependence on God looks like. Previously, I mentioned Moses, and Moses is a great example of meekness. And it has nothing to do with his personality or his lack of speaking abilities. No, it had to do with Moses' desire to submit to God. There were so many different ways uh, Moses' life could have gone. And yet he decides to put his trust in the Lord. And he was given an insanely poss- impossible task. He had to stand up to the most powerful man in the world at that time. And he had to tell them to free like his slaves. He basically told him, I need to take your entire workforce. Wow, like that would be hard. But he did it in complete reliance on God. He was meek because he completely submitted to God's will. And he was strong because he had God by his side. God called him into something more. And it's interesting because they call, like Moses was called in the Bible, one of the meekest men on the earth. And in Numbers twelve three, it says this. Now the man Moses was very meek, more than all people who were on the face of the earth. But just because Moses was meek, didn't mean that he was weak. He surrendered everything over to a powerful and righteous God. And that's what made him strong. And as great of an example as Moses was, Jesus offers us an even better example of humility. Jesus lived his entire life in that of humility. Everything Jesus did was for the will of the Father. He relied on the power of the Holy Spirit for everything. He loved God and had a heart for the people of this broken world. He was filled with compassion. He mourned and wept for the effects of our sinful nature. Jesus died for the sins of the entire world. And this is our king. This is the person we, we submit to to His rule. And this shouldn't be a hard thing, because humanity, humanity will let you down. Jesus will not. We submit to a king that loves us and wants the best for us. So when you you submit to King Jesus, you're submitting to someone that literally wants the best thing for you. There should be nothing easier than that. This is being meek. So what happens to the person who is like this? Who will inherit the earth? There are two different realities of this statement. The current current state we currently live in and the future one that comes when Jesus returns. In this current state, I want you to understand that that being meek, you've already inherited the earth in this life. If someone is truly meek, then they have humbly lowered themselves before God. They are in complete freedom found in this type of submission. When your trust is in God, then there is no need to be afraid. And it might seem like a low position, and that being in a low position might fuel weakness, but dependence on God puts him in control, puts his power, puts his uh, will in control. And so listen to Paul as he kind of discusses hardship in life. In 2 Corinthians 6.10, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Poor, yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. This is why the meek are blessed and why they'll inherit the earth. That that state of lowness, that state of humility, that state of dependence makes it where you you require nothing. There's nothing that can hurt you. There's nothing that you need because your dependence is in a God that provides for you, a God that protects you. And that's something you can have now here on earth, not something in the future. That's something that you're offered in this moment. And yet, there is still a future view of this principle as well. Sure, the meek are blessed in this life, but also in the life to come. Romans eight seventeen. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also... Share in his glory. Sure, there are going to be hardships in life, but there will also be glory when Jesus returns. And until then, we get to depend on the Holy Spirit for truth and guidance. John 16, 13. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Author D. Martin Lloyd Jones put it this way Nothing but the Holy Spirit can humble us. Nothing but the Holy Spirit can make us poor in spirit and make us mourn because of our sinfulness and produce in us the true, right view of self and give us the very mind of Christ himself. For those of you not followers of Christ are not capable and have an excuse. For those of you who are followers of Christ have no excuse because we have the Holy Spirit. We are to be meek. It's not something you do but character but a character nature offered by the Holy Spirit. It's something that the Holy Spirit offers to you as a gift. So what can we do? I want you to continue to reflect on the sermon on the mount. Fall completely dependent on God and do it with humility. We understand that we are sinful and we must empty ourselves so that God can have all of us, every part of us. So what does this mean for us today? The big idea, meekness is surrendering to God and then his will working through us as we interact with others. So the big question is, how are we going to respond to this world around us? Surrendering to God will look different for each and every one of us. And certain areas are going to be harder than others. What does meekness look like in the workplace? How are we going to apply this to every aspect of our life? Within your family, how do you submit fully to God as a group? How can we follow Jesus when we experience hurt from our neighbors? How can the Holy Spirit guide our words, actions, attitudes, and behaviors? Especially when we're not willing to listen. These are answers, like the answers to these questions might make you stand in contrast to the world. It's going to make you stand up if you truly submit to them. If you truly uh, lean into them, it's going to make you stand apart. But don't be afraid of this. Don't be afraid of a radically different world. Meekness looks different. But remember that. Blessed are the meek. They will inherit the earth. I'd like to end with a helpful warning. The Gospel of Matthew offers another story several chapters after the Sermon on the Mound. It is a story that most of you probably have heard before. It's called The Rich Young Ruler. Now, I'm not saying these verses are necessarily directly tied to one another, but I think Jesus offers a good visual to this story about what it means to submit to Him. Basically, a young man comes to Jesus seeking salvation. Jesus refers him to the commandments about loving the people around us. And the man felt like he had done all of these things. He felt like he was deserving of heaven. And so he asked Jesus, what am I lacking? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, this is the Greek word teleos, which also means complete. If you want to be complete, go sell your possessions and give to the poor. And you'll have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. The possessions were a sign of power, status, and wealth. The young man was not prepared to give that up. The fact of the matter is that this story is not about money at all. It's about the true desires of our heart. Are we willing to give up everything in pursuit of Jesus? Are we ready to follow him? The verse ends with Jesus talking to his disciples about the people, uh, what, what will happen to the people that will follow him. That they will inherit the earth. But it ends with a very interesting line. In verse 30, it ends like this. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. Those who follow Jesus will inherit eternal life. But the last line summarizes what it means in the blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. The people who are considered first, the proud, the greedy, the power hungry. They're going to be last in this new kingdom. And those who are last, i.e. The, bro- the, the meek, they're going to be first in this new kingdom. So my challenge for you this week, what is standing in your way of completely submitting to God? And are you prepared to give up everything to follow Jesus? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to thank you for this time that we get to come together and learn a little bit about you. Lord, I want to thank you for uh, the introduction to this this new world, this new kingdom that you're offering. And Lord, I just ask that you, that you help us as we go out in the week and we try to, and we try to put some of this practice into, into real life. As we, as we ask the Holy Spirit to provide us this gift of meekness, as we try to interact with this world around us, Lord, we're going to need your help. We're going to need you to pour into us, to give us strength, uh, to show us true humility. And so, Lord, we just want to thank you for, for everything you do to provide And Lord, it's in the powerful name of Lord Jesus we pray. Amen.